Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit celebrationchurchlive.com. Uh, well, we kicked off on Easter Sunday uh, this series that um, I called Jesus Said What? And so, because there's some things as you read through the scriptures um, that were surprising that Jesus said. Um, and so they're just, they're just surprising. And so we're studying this for the express purpose. Um, it's always good to get into the scriptures. It's always good to do that. But we're looking at this series for the express purpose to prepare our hearts and our minds for the challenging things that, that God is going to speak to us through his Holy Spirit. Because there are things that he's going to have to reveal to us, show us in his word and then just in our time in in prayer that are going to challenge us. That are going to sometimes rub us the wrong way a little bit. And we have to get our hearts and minds ready and recognize that that's part of his love and care for us is, is to move us forward more and more into this restorative work that is done and completed in Christ and Christ alone. So if you got your bulletin, you got your Bible app, however it is you're going to track with us, let's go ahead and look at this idea that some of the things that Jesus said were, they were totally shocking because they were looked at totally wrong, had the wrong perspective. The wrong perspective will give you the wrong conclusion. It just will over and over and over again. And so at the beginning of every message, we reset our perspective. And our perspective reset is John 3.17. Now John 3.16 is phenomenal. It is the truth that God, God so loved the world and he sent Jesus and we're so thankful for that. But our perspective on moving forward in this is John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send him to condemn, but to save the world through him. And we're reminded of this. We're reminded that he wasn't sent to condemn, but to save. Uh, Because when he speaks these challenging things to us, we can make sure we don't let our hearts shift into this place where all of a sudden we feel condemned or shamed or less than. Those are the things the enemy will try to attach to us when the Holy Spirit reveals There's a better way to live. There's a better way to think. There's a better way to respond in certain situations. And that has to be told to us so that we can then begin to shift. And if we think that he came to condemn, we'll just feel beat up by that. When that gets pointed out, we'll we'll feel condemned by it. So we have the mindset, he did not come to condemn, but he came to save That is the whole point. He points this out to bring about fresh life in that area. So that we continue to don't we we don't continue to struggle in that same space, but to step into a greater level of victory in that space. But since he came not to condemn but to save, that word save automatically implies that there's some kind of of struggle. There's some kind of challenge. And so if something needs to be saved, it's because something is off. Um, there's a lot of movies. In fact, if you were to just Google right quick and just put in movie saving, 
then it would begin to pull up a list of movies that start with the word saving. And, you know, if you like war movies, your mind is automatically going to go to Saving Private Ryan. You know, you like more like the Mary Poppins stuff. It's Saving Mr. Banks, you know. You want a little less uh, stress than Saving Private Ryan. You go to Saving Mr. Banks. And there's actually a, a, at least seven movies that start out with the word saving something. But if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, well, then you recognize that is, that is a hard movie to watch. From the opening scene all the way through, it is a challenging, gut-wrenching movie. And if you were going to say that the people in this movie experience something, if you were going to just soften it a little bit, you would say they experienced significant trouble. And trouble is going to be involved in every saving experience. That's simply part of it. That's why you need to be saved. Some, something needs to be saved. It's because it is in trouble. So if Jesus didn't come to condemn but to save, that means he's stepping into a troublesome situation, a situation where there is trouble. And one of the first things we need to understand and that Jesus actually tells us is that trouble happens. Trouble happens. It just does. It is part of this space. In fact, Jesus very much declared it. In fact, promised that that the way it would be on this planet. Let's look at John chapter 16, verse 27. Jesus is speaking. He says, no, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, uh, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact, has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. He's giving them a heads up. They're all hanging out. He's ministering. But, but guess what? It's about to be the, the betrayal. In fact, it's going to happen very, very soon after this conversation. And, and then all of a sudden, trouble is going to hit their teacher, their rabbi, their, their messiah. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be killed He's going to be buried in all hope. He's going to feel lost. And, and, he, and he's given them a heads up. This is about to happen. He says, you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone for my father is with me. I have told you these things. It's like I'm giving you a heads up. He's just told them something nobody wants to hear. You're about to have something so bad in your life, you're actually going to run away from me and turn your back on me. He, that's what he's just let them know. He says, I've told you these things. I've told you these. So that in me, you may have peace. I've just told you about trouble so that you can have peace. I've given you a heads up about the challenges so that you can lean on me and have peace peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. 
You can go over to Hobby Lobby and you can look at all their little stuff and they've got some scriptures and I appreciate that. Not You can go all through it, but guess what? You are not going to find in Hobby Lobby the wonderful Jesus promise of in this world you will have trouble. Nobody's got that one crocheted on a pillow. <laughs> oh, yes, I woke up this morning and reminded myself of the sweet promise of Jesus that I'm going to have trouble. No, that's one of those things. It's like, Jesus, why do you tell us? No, We think that when we come to Jesus, it means that if I will live for him and I will do these things, then I'm going to be trouble free. If you are living your life for God to try to be trouble free, you're selfish. This isn't about loving him and serving him. It's not about putting him first. It's about trying to extract a softer, more comfy life out of him. And he's like, that's not how this goes. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Trouble's going to come, but that trouble doesn't have to have you. Yeah. It's going to come after your heart, and you're going to have to hang on to your heart. You're going to have to take heart. Because I've overcome that trouble that you're facing that has you quaking in your boots. I've already whooped it. So you just need to sit back, trust me, and watch the outcome unfold. But there's still going to be trouble. This is one of those things that it took me a long time to finally get it through my head. That this was the way things were going to be. Because Brandon Clark is wired as a raving optimist. I am just, things are always going to be good. Things are always going to work out. All of a sudden, a little bit of hiccup comes along, and I'm like, no, it'll be fine. Um, Here's the problem is sometimes for it to be fine, you have to face the trouble. Not just say, it's going to be fine. You actually have to recognize there's some problems here, and we need to deal with it. And there are times I made the trouble worse simply because I didn't take the trouble seriously. Jesus is letting us know, no, there's going to be some trouble. I'm talking to you about this. This is a serious thing, but it doesn't have to win. I've already done the winning. I've overcome the world. But you need to be aware of it and lean into my overcoming, not just the fact that you're not ruffled by it. And that was what would get Brandon Clark in trouble, is that I found, because I'm a raving optimist, when I would read the scriptures, I would see one of the wonderful promises of God, and they're all through there. There's a ton of them. From Genesis all the way through, there are wonderful promises, covenant promises you can hang on to and and build your life on. And I found myself, because of the way I'm wired, reading those and going, yeah, of course, absolutely, yeah. Because it agreed with me, not because I was choosing to agree with it. And faith is me choosing to agree with the word, not just picking the stuff that agrees with me. And it took me a while in my growth to realize that I had built for myself a repertoire of scriptures that agreed with me instead of me taking my life to align it to what the word says. And so we need to make sure, because guess what? The promises of God, a pessimist can go, guess what? I think the whole world's going to fall down, but God says he's going to take me through and I'm going to grab a hold of that and hang on to it. A pessimist can do that. A realist can do it. 
But an optimist, sometimes they can forget to grab. Because <laughs> they're just like, oh, it's going to be, yeah, it is going to be okay. And just float along with a smile and a balloon in their hand. And that was me too many times. Cutie called it living in Brand's world. And so, and I was like, hey, babe, quit being so down. And she's like, please take this seriously. And it would be, there's this tension. And because we have to take God's words seriously. In fact, one of our apostle of faith, Paul, he dealt with some significant challenges. There were some significant things that were just difficult trouble. And I don't mean like the trouble that, you know, that Starbucks got your latte wrong three times in a row and made you late for your appointment. I'm not talking about that kind of frustration. I'm talking about real, genuine attack, trouble. We'll look at 2 Corinthians 11. It's not on the screen and not on your notes. I'm just giving you some examples of Paul's trouble. But he, he says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Five times. And he found himself not because he was a little unruly, not because he was out getting drunk and doing something stupid and getting a beat. No, because he was declaring who Jesus was. It's because the religious leaders didn't like him declaring Jesus. And Jesus said, speak my name. And it was one of those things. He ended up taking beatings for doing what he was called to do. This five times I received from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. I think that that is absolutely just ironic that because the Levitical law said you cannot hit, you can't um, beat someone more than 40 times. So they would give 40 minus one in case they got off count. They were so concerned about the making sure they lived the law out just right that they were beating the one that the giver of the law sent them. It is just absolutely mind-blowing. Here, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. And he spent a night and a day in the open sea. I was shipwrecked three times. If Paul says, hey, I'm going to go on a cruise, I'm not going with him. <laughs> Boats in him, they do not work. I'm like, sorry, Paul, this didn't work. In fact, one of the times he's doing what God has called him to do. He ends up on a boat headed, headed out to, to, to get to Rome to, be, to go before um, the emperor. And he ends up getting a prophetic understanding that this is going to end up in a shipwreck and nobody takes him seriously. And they end up in a shipwreck. So he ends up in a shipwreck because people wouldn't listen to him. Please don't raise your hand if you ended up in a shipwreck because somebody didn't listen to you. Because there would be everybody in the room. We're like, yeah, man. And don't nudge your spouse either. Like, we wouldn't be here if you listened to me. And so, but, but he ends up in a shipwreck and he he ends up with this same group of people giving them some last minute advice that they adhered to and everyone survives and he floats in on some planks, ends up and they're going to build a fire and they show their appreciation for Paul and his wisdom of everybody's being saved by sending him out to gather firewood. 
they don't, they don't care. It's just like, you know, you're, you're still a prisoner. Go gather firewood. He gathers the firewood. He's still just going along. Doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. He gathers the firewood, but it's cold. And as he gathers it up, there happens to be a surprise visitor inside the firewood. Because it was cold, the snake on the inside was all nice and dormant. But he throws the wood onto the fire, and guess what? Woke up. The snake wakes up, jumps out, and bites him on the hand. Paul goes from trouble to trouble to trouble, ends up with a snake on his hand, and inspired a classic Taylor Swift song. Shake it off. And he, scriptures say he shook it off into the fire. And then everybody was just waiting. They're like, oh man, this guy who just saved our lives, um, he must be so bad that the God of justice would not let him survive. And everybody just waited for him to puff up and die. And he didn't. So then they swung the other direction and said, oh, he must be a God. He's either the worst criminal on the face of the planet or he's a God. And all of a sudden, it begins to open up an opportunity for him to preach. And just about, scriptures tell us that just about everyone on the Isle of Malta came to Jesus because of the way that Paul responded to trouble. The way Paul responded to trouble opened the door for just almost an entire island to step over from death to life have a relationship with God and be a part of heaven forever because of the way Paul responded to trouble. See, we don't have to fear trouble. Jesus has overcome the world. Matthew 6, 34, another wonderful promise of Jesus. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. That's great. Don't worry about tomorrow because it's all going to be wonderful. No, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. It's not because there's nothing to be concerned about. It's don't stack it all up. Deal with today. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Another wonderful comforting quote from Jesus. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Every day has plenty of trouble in it. That's just the way it goes. You're going to run into trouble tomorrow. Not because it's Monday, but because it's a day. Because it's a day. There's going to be trouble. And he gives us this heads up because we need it. We need it. Why? Because you and I push back against trouble hard. We don't like it. It makes us question things. It makes us, it makes us just makes, sends us back reeling. It rocks us on our heels when we encounter trouble. It's been our entire existence, yet every time we encounter significant trouble, it messes with us. Why is that? It's because you and I were built for different space. We weren't built for this space that's riddled with trouble. When God created humanity in the garden, he created us for, in a place for perfection. He created us a, a place to not have to deal with trouble and sin. That was our initial DNA wiring. And that's why you and I freak out when we deal with trouble. And every time that rises up in you, 
Let it be a reminder that you're built for another space. You're built for heaven. You're built for the presence of God. You're built to be broken out of this and be free. That's what you're built for. Every time you have that pushback against trouble, it reminds because trouble shouldn't be a part of my life. This was not the original intent of God. And so that's why you and I push back against it and why we need to be taught how to deal with it. Because it's not in our natural makeup to deal with it in a healthy way. We look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. This is, and God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In, image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. So children aren't the source of trouble. <laughs> Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He called them to, into family and into tending and caring for the earth. The place that God had created for humanity to live and said, I need you to, to take care of it, subdue it, to govern it. And so one of the other things we have to see is that we have to understand that work, work is not equal trouble. Work doesn't equal trouble because work was part of our original design, being productive, that creative thing on the inside of us and it expresses itself in different ways. Some people are creative uh, with, with the arts and some people are creative with, on a scientific technical way and some are creative with business and, and logistics and problem solving and all those different things, but we were built for that. In fact, if sin had not come in, you and I would still be having some sort of productive work and we would be taking care of the earth. I realize the concept of properly stewarding the earth is very politically charged, but we just have to be honest that the scriptures say that was our original assignment was to do that, to be good stewards of what was put under our control. That's part of what we're called to do. That's part of it. And it does not equal work. In fact... I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. This is our, our basis for our first semester of our school of ministry that we look at this um, and launch from this. But it reminds us that for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So, so our work isn't to prove ourselves or get something from God. It's by grace that we have a relationship with God. For we are God's handiwork. He's actually working on us. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It's part of it. We're part of that. The part of that original creation is for us to be able to do good things, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Work does not equal trouble. So this idea that we cannot, that we call trouble if we don't get to be as leisurely as we would like to be. 
that we don't get as smooth a ride as we would build for ourselves. That is not trouble. In fact, sometimes that is indicative of inner trouble. That if all of a sudden, if you just want to build a little cocooned life that just makes your life real padded, real easy, and you don't really have to exert any energy, there's something broken on the inside of you. The trouble isn't on the outside. The trouble is on the inside. And we need to have him renew that so that we can do the good works he's called us to do. But work does not equal trouble. In fact, you get this. You get this, okay? Because if you got a good boss, okay, the boss, that good boss uh, sends you out to do, handle something and to take care of something. Um, say it's going to take you three hours to do it. And the boss calls you about two hours into it and to check on you and say, hey, you know, just call in to check and we want to make sure you have everything you need. Um, did you have any trouble? Now, he's not asking, are you actually having to do what I asked you to do? No, he's expecting you to do it. He's like, did it go sideways? Did it go wrong? You're doing work, but you can have work that's trouble-free, that it was going the way it was expected to go. The pieces were coming together. The solutions were working. Work does not equal trouble. So, so many times we need to make sure that some of our sources of frustration aren't selfishness. That what we call trouble is just our selfishness calling it trouble. The next thing we need to understand is that trouble doesn't mean that we're away from God's love. Romans 8, 35, Paul writes this and says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's the first thing he points out that won't separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Why? Because we, you and I as believers, we get hit with trouble and we can very easily go, God, where are you? God, what happened here? God, if you love me so much, why am I having trouble? That's why Jesus told his disciples, you're going to have trouble. Yeah. Guess what? I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be in it. But in this world, there's going to be trouble. Why? Because there's opposition. And you're still not completely renewed. You're the child of God and you're still going to want to do some stupid bonehead stuff sometimes. You're still going to be the source of your own trouble sometimes. It's going to happen. And so in that space, we have to recognize that when trouble comes, it doesn't mean that somehow God's abandoned us, that God is disconnected for, or his love is not real. That is an immature view. It is an immature view. If every time you hit some trouble in your life, you wonder, where is God? What happened here? That is an immature view. Jesus was... Teaching his disciples, teaching his followers, be aware, trouble's going to happen. But take heart, you're going to have that thing. You're going to have that thing. Your heart's going to say, have you left me or have you abandoned me? What's going on here? But no, take heart because I've overcome. Oh no, we remember what Christ has accomplished and we lean into that. That is how you and I handle the trouble that is going to happen in this world shall hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as is written for your sake we face death all day long we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us in fact James 1 verse 13 
reminds us of this, that when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. That stuff, he's writing to believers. That stuff is still at work in us. We have to let the Holy Spirit come on and, and work in us. And he does not carry us into this place um, to create this trouble for us. So we can't say, well, you know, God is the one who did that. Paul never blamed God for his beatings. He never blamed God for his shipwrecks. He didn't blame God for, for people pelting him with stones and him having to be sneak out of a city, being let down out of a window in a basket. He didn't blame God for those different things. He understood there is, there is opposition in this world. You will have trouble. It is part of it. So in that, that we recognize that God did not create or fabricate our trouble to bring us to him. That That is a broken idea. That somehow that God creates tension in our lives to drive us to him. No, being away from him creates tension in our lives. And if you're wise, you will turn towards him. That is it. Or you keep just dealing with it and you get more and more trouble till you either wake up or you don't. And so, but guess what? So many times we take that in that moment, we take that, we take our brokenness, we take our our addictions, we take our frustrations, we take all of that, we put it in his hands and he is such a master of repair, such a master of repair that on the backside of it, the healing looks so good and and is able to, to reach out and be an inspiration to others that we can falsely say, Well, God took me down that path so that I could minister over here to these people. And that is not true. Here's what's true. Is he loves you so much, he will never waste your pain. That the enemy can never do something to you that God can't do something with. That all of a sudden, that the enemy doesn't take an entire chunk of your life and throw it down the trash and make it useless. No, God says, okay, yeah, that was broken. That was an attack of the enemy. That should have never been. But all of a sudden now, you're not the only one who's dealing with that. And I can turn that mess into a testimony. And if you'll be willing to share it, you'll be willing to declare it, then all of a sudden new people who are facing the same struggle can recognize that God will bring about change. He will bring about change. That is the thing. But we don't blame God for the trouble. He is the restorer. He is the blesser, not the breaker. And we have to make sure we stay and have an understanding of that. Is that Jesus... Oh, I messed my notes up. Jesus overcoming trouble in our lives can help others in their trouble. 2 Corinthians 1, 2 says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. All of a sudden now, 
God takes these places of brokenness, these shattered things. His grace comes in and produces a, a beautiful point of restoration and allows us to then minister out of that. In fact, more than likely, more than likely, some of the greatest place of ministry you will have will be out of some of the greatest place of pain and trouble that you will let him restore. If you'll let him restore it, all of a sudden he'll begin to set other people through free through that. Our bottom line today is that Jesus overcame so that we don't have to live overwhelmed. There's going to be trouble, but we don't have to be overwhelmed by the trouble. We can be at peace in the storm. We can understand that he's the overcomer. So if we're still in the middle of it, if it's still being played out, we trust him for the end results so that you and I don't have to live overwhelmed. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.